Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good evening, Blue Jays fans. Brendan Panikar is your driver tonight. With his passengers, co-hosts Adam Corsair in Rhode Island and Craig Borden in Rochester. Gentlemen, how are you? What up? What up, fellas? What an evening we have planned here. <laughs> Celebrate. Uh, oh, oh, yeah. There he is. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> it's just seltzer water. Calm down. <laughs> and I, I just got a coffee here, too. So and there's no Baileys or anything in that either. So. Yeah. <laughs> I get to pick my stepdaughter up from work, so unfortunately, DDing. There you go. <laughs> hey, hey, it's a it's a sober night here on Jaybird watching. I know that we're doing uh, on Craig, <laughs> and, uh, and there's uh, the big pint of beer in the logo. That's the leading one right now. Craig, you know what? Because that uh, was kind of how it was kicked off. Do you want to go over some more of the submissions? Do you have any updates for us before right we now, get into that? That one is the newest submission, which is hilarious because it's a resubmission. Okay. <laughs> so, um. Yeah, let's see if I can pull it up here again, and I'll show it off on the camera. But yeah, they—it's um, been a little cool after a swimming amount of uh, entries right off the bat. We are back down to, you know, kind of chilling on the whole thing. But this would be the leading one if you guys can see it. Yep. Yeah. Uh, you know, a wonderful kind of like afternoonish kind of like beer with a bird, <laughs> and we even got the baseball uh, orange lot going. There you go. So that yeah. works. I, I like that one a lot. It's uh, it's a really good one, and everybody keep on submitting your logos. We'll keep on putting up tweets. Credit on the show. You'll be up again an opportunity to join us on an episode as well. Craig, am I missing anything on some of the perks there? Did I sum that up right? No, I think you got the shameless self-promoting part for whoever's logo that we got <laughs> all set there. Perfect. Yeah, the shameless self-promoting is done. And hey, you guys can be the new logo of Jaybird watching, and what a time to join. Uh, the Jaybird Washington team, especially after last night's game, gentlemen. My goodness. My goodness. So let's take it back to 6.37. The Raptors game had just gotten started. The Blue Jays game had just gotten started. Hunjin Ryu gives up two home runs right off the bat. The Raptors get down big to the Celtics early and never came back. And Ryu was done after five and gave up five runs. Uh, and then Sean Reed Foley comes in and gives up another run to make it 6-2. I think after three or four consecutive walks yeah. from Sean Reed Foley, he kind of became the starter, Sean Reed Foley, as opposed to the guy that we saw the first few times out of the bullpen. And, you know, I'm sitting there thinking, wow, what a shitty night to be a Toronto sports fan, you know? The Raptors getting the crap kicked out of the Blue Jays are losing the first game that they're playing against the Yankees in pretty somewhat lackluster fashion. 
And what do you know, guys? That inning all started with a series of walks. Three of the first four batters that came to the plate for the Blue Jays. Santiago Espinal works himself a walk on a 3-2 count. He gets on base. Danny Jansen, routine fly to center. And then the next two, Kevin Biggio gets on again. A 3-1 count. He gets on and Randall Gritchick uh, hits a single to load the bases. Adam, I want to start with you because I know that you were watching the Raptor game last night and you came back and switched it. Did what you had to do uh, with your uh, uh, South of the Hits podcast. Anybody that doesn't know that, Adam, huge Raptors fan, bigger than me who lives in Toronto. Craig, <laughs> I don't know about your basketball expertise, uh, but give that podcast a listen when you can. But Adam, you were doing that, but you're also keeping tabs on the Jays game. So when you saw the Jays were down 6-2 in the bottom of the sixth, and maybe you started to notice a little bit of traffic on the base, which whatever app you're using or looking up on your computer, your TV, what were your first thoughts after some of those first at-bats? Um, so for the first five innings, I said this is a, this is a very typical in terms of the you know conglomerate of being a Toronto sports fan. It's very typical to be in this deficit, right? We don't often feel success. And so when you see the the Raptors getting pummeled with 11 points in the, the first quarter and they go into the fourth quarter with 63 points, which is terrible, I said, I'm not even going to finish this game on the main screen. I had the Blue Jays on the laptop and I had the Raptors on the main screen on the television. So I just flipped them. And I, I was talking to my buddy Connor. I said, are you watching the Jays game right now? He's like, yeah. They're getting pummeled. And I said, you know, this is probably better than watching the Raptors game because there's still a chance. Obviously, the Raptors had no chance. Um, so watching those first at-bats and the pitching performance by Ryu, I was a little disappointed because it was a really hyped pitchers matchup coming in. And you see all these tweets saying, this is what we have Ryu for. This is why we signed him for moments like this. I was so hyped and everything just came crashing down. When you see the momentum build in that inning... It is almost, and again, I don't want to take anything away from how special it was because it was amazing, but it was almost as good as the seventh inning in 2015 for game five. Almost. (laughs) Almost. It was very close. Um, If fans were in the stands, it might have been just on par. I think that's what brings it down a notch because you don't have the volume and the reaction and whatnot, but... The buildup and the crescendo to all of this, all the taking, tying the game, taking the lead, the errors, and uh, we're going to break it down at bat, but at bat, but the Jansen grand slam to finish and and Dan's call was just perfect. Everything about that happening was perfect, and I can't stress enough. If if for some reason Blue Jays fans, you did not watch that inning, I highly encourage you to find it somewhere. And just watch the entire half inning in its entirety because it is the epitome of what it's like to be a baseball fan and why it is literally never over until it's over. That is why. And it's seventh and sixth inning. It's not the ninth. Yeah, it's not the ninth inning. But still, once that inning ended, you knew it was over. You knew the game was done. Much like 2015, the seventh. I thought about going to bed. Craig, <laughs> what about you? There was a point where I was sitting there <laughs> noticing I was watching Twitter more than I was watching the actual game. Plus, I have the actual, as I had mentioned to my dismay at multiple times last night during our you know, texting chats and on Twitter, that having to watch the game on here in New York and mm. getting it blacked out on Blue Jays channels is yeah. horrifyingly bad. And one of the announcers is even David Cohn, 
who you would think has some slight loyalty to the Blue Jays, winning one of his world championship rings with the Blue Jays. But yeah. Michael Kay would also have to let him talk. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned the crescendo moment, Adam. To me, watching it on Yankee TV on the Yes Network, it was even better because yeah. they had yeah. been doing nothing but talk about how the Yankees suck and we should be in second place. Not ever actually, you know, confirming that the Blue Jays were in second place ahead of them throughout the whole broadcast. That right. was the thing at first strike one, right? Yeah. <laughs> strike two, they proceeded to just completely rip on Danny Jansen during his first at bat, kind of more or less going, why is this guy in the major leagues? Not just what is he doing with a 143 batting average at the time, but what is he doing in the major leagues and just making it almost insulting. Yeah. And then also, like I said, just the fact that they're like subtly jabbing Buffalo a little bit. So that's three strikes right there against why I just couldn't stand. And I can't even believe I just didn't get pissed off and muted it. But the problem yeah. is I couldn't just watch the game with no anything. Right. And when I tried to bring in the radio feed, I was like literally living a minute and a half in the future. And it was kind of pissing me off. Yeah. There was no way to pause <laughs> that to sync it up time-wise. <laughs> so it kind of drove me nuts. So tonight, perfect time for the broadcast because I don't have to listen to this garbage. <laughs> I can just watch it and yeah. enjoy it. So during that inning, you literally saw the Yankees before that, oh, we got Chad Green in. We're all set. We're going to run right through this. We're perfectly set up. We have Green, Adovino, um, Britton, and then Chapman. This is done. It's locked in. Checks in the mail kind of like level is all you're hearing from the Yankees announcers. And then watching the Blue Jays slowly creep in. And, okay, a walk here, a walk there. A couple hits here. Bases loaded. And then watching Danny Jansen just go, bam! Yeah. <laughs> right on him. Couldn't love it any more than that. It, it, because it literally was like radio silence. Nice. Good yeah. minute and a half on the Yankees thing. Because they're all just sitting there going, Yep. <laughs> and there's really no other way of saying it. Just, it, was like, it was like the mic dropped and broke or something. <laughs> No, it's definitely a mic drop moment, especially with what you were telling us last night in the text message group and how Michael Kay was ripping on Danny Jansen a little bit. Kind of karma coming back to fight the Yankees broadcast crew a little bit, guys. But was there anybody in particular within those first three at-bats that set up the bases loaded, whether it was Espinal's walk, whether it was yet another walk from Kevin Biggio, who is awesome at getting on base, uh, or Randall Gritch's single right before Rowdy's at bat. We're going to Rowdy's at bat next, but anybody that stood up particularly to you where you're like, damn, I have a really good at bat, and it's incredible that they are mounting this kind of a comeback against Chad Green, who's usually pretty good and has been good against the Blue Jays in the past. Craig, was there any particular at bat within those first four? Because Danny Jansen was up too. I know he made it out, but anybody that really stood out to you in terms of how that inning was set up from the get-go? So... I couldn't believe that, you know, the fact that I'm in that ballpark, and I think you guys might have saw a poll that I submitted out after the fact about the um, Espinal, Panic, or Villar. Yes. Who you play going yeah. forward. And watching Espinal really be the catalyst that just got the ball rolling just enough to watch them pick that up was, I couldn't give him any more credit because that was one of the more patient at bats during the game. Correct me if I'm wrong. He actually brought that all the way to a full count, didn't he? Yep. Yes. Damn near close That's, to it. He did. Yes, he did. So then watching him do that and then Rowdy reaches and whatnot, and it just, it 
literally could not go any better. And watching that <laughs> the first baseman kick that ball that Roddy Telez had, I, as soon as that happened, I'm sitting there going, I'm like, something is going to happen. That was literally the penny drop, and that was the perfect moment for the Blue Jays to seal and where they could be going on this, I think. Absolutely. Adam, was there any for you within those first few that you're like, hmm, maybe we got something going on here? Uh, well, as we say that, Jonathan Davis just hit a two-run home run. Um, well, welcome to the show again. Uh, yeah! so- <laughs> Hi! <laughs> he hit that deep. I had that wait for it moment. Yeah. They were talking, and it's like, damn it, yes, now. There you go. Yes. <laughs> More recently. <laughs> um, so... I, I, I don't know how much you want to unpack it. Again, I don't want to bury the lead here, but yeah, yeah. out of every at bat and, you know, Jansen's grand slam, notwithstanding because he's been struggling and seeing him with that plate approach hit the grand slam when it was needed. We already had the lead at that point, but still coupled with Craig, what you mentioned about the shit talking from the yes network that aside, I was extremely, it's in my notes, extremely impressed with Rowdy Telez's at bat. It was, he has vastly improved his approach, vastly improved his eye, his, on a two strike count, he's protecting the plate. And that is something I didn't think I'd be able to see from him. He's following off pitches that were borderline strikes. Some of them were balls, but borderline strikes that he knew he wouldn't be able to put in play, but he's following them off just to stay in the at bat. That's professional, right? And to have that sort of approach this young in your career, that is something that, I'm so glad the Blue Jays did not trade him. Now, that at-bat was so, so impressive. And what makes it, you know, eerily cool is right before it, Brennan, I don't know if you if you caught this, but Buck said, hey, you never know, right? He, that's what he said when before yeah, Rowdy yeah. comes up. It might goes, be his catchphrase, catchphrase just as much as uh, anything else. But. <laughs> yeah, at this point, you, you had the bases loaded, and he says, hey, you never know, anything can happen. And I feel like, yes, you got to give credit to Espinal, uh, Biggio, and Grichuk before that to load the bases. But Telez, I feel, is what started this inning, its special nature, right? And I, again, I don't take anything away from the previous three, but that at-bat was so impressive. I feel that's so contagious to everybody else that batted after him that I give him all the credit in the world. To me, that was by far the most impressive at-bat. Well, that was easily 10 pitches. Yes. Uh, no, yeah, ten, I think it was. And, Craig, 10 straight fastballs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then not to mention, I think he did that in his other at-bats as well. It wasn't just that one isolated event. And this is the uh, the reason that we might be seeing the actual coming of Rowdy Telez mm. or the get rowdy moment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, how much does he remind you guys of where Teoscar was like a year ago? I can see that. It's very yeah. similar. I think he's better. I, I, he very well might be quicker. Yes, yeah. But as far as the, we were, we've seen him chase pitches. His chase rate was way higher. But the yeah. fact that I, I can't remember what they were saying during the broadcast the other night, but his strikeout rate is dropped like 10%. Yeah. It's yeah, insane. 12, closer to 12. It's insane. Okay. Either yeah. way, even a couple yeah. of digits is usually what you're getting totally. out of most players. I don't know what it is for Randall Gritchick this year, but I don't think it's anywhere in the double digits, even though he's been more patient as well. So the, Boba Shet and um, Guillermo Martinez, dynamic, boom. <laughs> There's your selling point. <laughs> yeah, it was incredible. It, it really showed you how much of a uh, how much growth Rowdy was has made as a hitter. Last year, year before, 
man, that's not an easy out. You got two outs, and who knows what happens from there. It definitely doesn't set anything else up. But, yeah, Rowdy gets the walk to make it 6-3, guys. And that's when we have a pitching change. So Chad Green was not effective, and Adam Ottavino comes in. And I'll be honest, when Ottavino came in, just based on how he's pitched in the past against the Blue Jays, I know I saw Mike Wilner said today that they might have something at Adam Ottavino because even going back to last year, they hit him pretty decently well. But Ottavino has been a very good reliever in the past. And what did he do when he first comes in, bases loaded, he faces Vladimir Guerrero Jr., and Vladdy gets a single just by the glove of Luke Voigt. And, you know, I want to say Vladdy has had a good season, and I know that it's probably not up to the level of what we were expecting when he first got called up last year, but he's quietly put together a nice little season, much better than he was last year, maybe some growth as an all-around hitter. But the fact that he was just able to take that ball and go the other way and get it by the first baseman and not do too much. Because I see last year, Vlad was trying to send that over the fence. And this year, he's like, no, I'll just hit it the other way, and hopefully it gets by for a single. And it did. And it made it 6-5, to five, and it cleared the bases attached to get two men, runners on the corners. Adam, what was your reaction when you saw that from Vlad? Because that in itself, we were just talking about growth from Rowdy. That's some growth from Vlad, too. First pitch fastball, man. Aggressive. That's aggressive at the plate. I feel that last year, he would have taken that. And most players do. Most players do take first pitch just to get a read of the pitcher, his stuff, the command, everything. Um, I love the aggression. I love coming up, no bullshit, just try to go oppo with a base hit dribbler. Granted, it should have been fielded. I'm not going to – that's not taking anything away from Vladdy. It was a fieldable ball, but the fact that it got by and he was able to drive in two, great approach, right? And you, it, it, I think you nailed it, Brendan. You don't have to mash it. You don't have to be looking for a grand slam at that point. I feel, and maybe this is like an old adage in baseball, if you are going up to the plate thinking home run, you're less likely to hit a home run, right? If you go up just thinking relax and I just want to put the ball in play, chances are the results are going to be favorable. And maybe that's the learning process that Vladimir Guerrero throughout the season had been struggling with. I'm just speculating. But I like to see that mature approach of I just got to put the ball in play. I'm not trying to mash it. Just let me put the ball in play. See my see my pitch, whatever it is, whenever it comes. I'm going to try to swing at it. First pitch fastball. Can't go wrong. I loved it. I love the aggression. Right. Just enough. Yeah. <laughs> it's just enough. Yeah. So. <laughs> I'm guessing I, I forgot about this one. I bitched about this to you guys over the Twitter feed or our, um, you know, texting group too. Mm-hmm. The Yankees announcers were all over the fact that Vlad Guerrero Jr. is not in the Hall of Fame already. Hmm? <laughs> they were so all over that. What? So the, they were basically saying, we know how I was saying they were insulting Danny Jansen. Yeah. They weren't too far off on insulting Vladimir wow. Guerrero Jr. Okay. Mind you. Yes, he's batting 257 after yesterday. Who gives a shit? Right. He's he's ranking well in all the you know the places I need him. He's scoring runs and he's driving in runs. Who gives a shit what the batting average is? Mm. I really don't care. We're doing what we need to do at the plate, but they were all over the fact that the reason and this is their story, which is hilarious because as Blue Jay fans, we know this wasn't the real story. The reason that he was moved to first base was because he was not reaching his potential. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's not really the argument at all. No, Travis Shaw. Yeah. So we put him at first base, which is probably where he's career destined to be anyway. Yeah, he was going to end up there in two years anyway. 
totally. The Blue Jays were a better team with Vlad Jr. at first base. Yes. Paired with Rowdy Telez and calling it a day. Pure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Bullshit from Michael K. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> complete. Because complete literally, end. the only thing I can think of is, oh, wait, hold on. I got this. Let me get a story. <laughs> so, but I just couldn't believe it when I was listening to that because in all reality, he was one of the big reasons why we beat them. He was great. Yeah. Good. You know, he played DH, but he was hitting every time he came up to the plate. Did he go two, three, three for two, three for four, something like that? Because I know he had a walk, but either way, Vlad Jr., the approach has gotten better. And we've seen that getting better and better too. It's only a matter of time where those hard singles turn into those just destroying line drives, I think. Because watching him play in the minor leagues, guys, there was nothing he didn't do, especially he peppered that left field netting pretty damn well in Buffalo. And come playoff time, that might be where his bat is. He went two for four yesterday, jumping on your point. Yeah. (laughs) And Craig, just before you continue, you went a little quiet on the mic there. We caught it all. I, I heard you all. Uh, and everything you said, but just it. so you know, moving forward, yeah, there you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but yeah, that made it six five, guys. And what do we see as soon as Vladimir Guerrero Jr. gets on base and Lourdes Doriel Jr. comes up? Vlad steals, yeah. takes second base. When he, when I saw him going out of the court of the broadcast, I'm like, what the fuck? Like we've seen enough base running blunders from this team already. If you don't make it there, we have a serious problem. And he made it there, which was the most insane thing ever. And Randall Grichik went on, I think, talking with the Bombers or some sort of Yankees podcast today and said, as soon as Vlad Jr. stole that base, we knew that we were going to win the game. Wow. And that's what he said on a Yankees fan podcast, which I'll find the clip. We'll post that and whatnot on there. So but from the Florida- Yankees broadcast, they were uh, saying that everybody, Adam Adovino takes too long with the ball, and he's been doing it all season. So that had to have been in the scouting report, and even Vlad knew he could make it with how long he was holding on to the damn ball because it was insane. <laughs> we, we should have been running all over the place on Adovino and make him really, really uncomfortable. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's exactly what they did. And guys, Lourdes won American League Player of the Week this week, and he yeah, added yeah. one last night and kind of cemented it, I'd say. It was his single that scored Rowdy Celeste from third base, uh, which tied the game and made it 6-6. Any thoughts on the past week from Lourdes Gurriel Jr., guys? Because he hasn't really done it with the long ball, but he's been very, very consistent the last few weeks with just, you know, a lot of extra base hits. And, you know, I feel that's what Lourdes will do when he finally reaches his potential. He may mix in a few 20, 25 home run seasons, but I feel that he may be closer to 15 to 20 with like 40 or 45 doubles in a season. Impressive nonetheless. But, Adam, what has been your thoughts on Lourdes' season? Because he's, I think he started slow, very similar to last year. And like a lot of these guys offensively, they've really gotten hot over the last little while. And maybe it's because of Buffalo. I think so. I think that has something to do with it. But also it's patience. It's patience at the plate waiting for your pitch. I think it's that simple, right? And and it doesn't take a lot to, to have a, a, a fundamentally sound player like him at least at the plate and blossoming more and more in the outfield with the exception of today's blunder. Um, you know, it, his, his play at the approach is very sound. And it, as long as you sort of highlight that and, and step back, sort of like the Vladimir Guerrero, uh, you know, analyzation I was giving previously, as long as you're waiting for your pitch and you're not trying to just be hyper intensive up there and trying to mash it, good things are going to come. And it, I think that's what makes 
uh, Guriel so special is that he's he's such a professional hitter in his approach that you would swear he's been in the league for years, years. And and the fact that he's so fundamentally sound is first of all it speaks well to his training. Second of all, it speaks to how high his ceiling is going to be in the future, and the more unlikely he's going to hit it. So for me, it's just a professional approach. Um, that first half of the lineup, which includes him, is just it's blossoming. It's coming better and better and better. And hitting is contagious. All the success is contagious. And if you have that blossoming on your team, oh, I, I just I love it. And the fact that he's part of this core and they're all coming up together and they have, as you touched on the, the stadium in Buffalo, they have somewhere to be now. Guys, we're not even supposed to be here, right? We're, it, it, it was like a month ago that we didn't even know where the fuck we were going to play. And now we're, we're, we have a home and we're it, the Yankees are bitching about the lighting and stuff. This is great. And, and, we and call that. Deal with it. We yes. call that. It's the same it's for great. us. It is. It is, but obviously we're a little bit more acclimated to it, especially these guys who have been coming up to the season uh, to the to the system rather, and know the ins and outs of the ballpark. They're not blind to this. I'm sure they've known this for years. And the fact that they're using it as an advantage pl- with the additional lights, with the upgrades that happen, come on, man, you can't go wrong with this team. So going back to Guriel, it, it just speaks to the core. It speaks to to the system that they they've brought in and the the just the resiliency. Of it all, and to me, that's what makes him such a special player, such a special player, and it does not surprise me at all that he won Player of the Week award for the AL. Craig, any thoughts on Lourdes' season so far? Uncanny. Yeah, <laughs> we saw this coming, and I'm just gonna say it: I picked him one week too early. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but guys, he had 467 over the last week. Crazy. Slightly, slightly nuts. And the fact that he was doing that and just driving in runs, doing everything he needed to do to pick up his team, not to mention probably one of the best throws I've seen yes. since. Well, yes. Uh, Freaking Giannis uh, Suspettis did it in Oakland. So that was part of this week, too. So it wasn't just a, with the bat. It's all around awesome left field and being a plus performer at the plate. And him coming around at this time when we need somebody to be really coming back together with what's been going on that we're going to touch on, I'm sure. It's great to see him picking up the slack until Boba Shett and hopefully Teoscar Hernandez is not as bad as everybody seems to be leading him. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, not fantastic. I have uh, one thing I got to mention that um, you pointed out the fact that the Yankees, quote unquote, haven't been playing at Salem Field. The whole entire core of the new Yankees team has played in that division within the last four years. There you so go. they can suck it. Yeah. The rail riders, the triple a affiliate of the uh, New York Yankees plays in the same division as the Buffalo Bisons and the Rochester Red Wings. We literally see them on a monthly basis telling me that Torres Sanchez and judge don't know what that field plays like, even to the slightest ability is completely yeah. bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> I, mm-hmm. I completely agree. And, you know, even Brian Cashman today in a new interview was saying that he wanted to go have a meeting with the team. I think it was yesterday, but with all the wind, it was too loud in the tent to go and have a team meeting. So even Cashman is taking subtle shots. And you know what? That is exactly what it is, Adam. It's that the crybaby thing, or the famous Joe Kelly pouting thing. Yeah. And that's yeah. what Jared Karabas did yesterday, seeing all that. But no, I might it, sum it, that I up because they, why they suck now, period. Yeah. Like, they haven't been <laughs> no. able to 
I'm sorry, whining doesn't win you ball games. If they want to win, they need to get their ass in the game mentally one way or the other, or they're going to be exactly doing what they're doing, fighting for that eighth spot, barely holding off the Tigers. Guys, this is oh, the Yankees. Come yeah. on, shut up. You're supposed to be baseball royalty. Play like it. It's like Josh Donaldson uh-huh. said, play better. That's it. Play better. <laughs> yeah. yeah, don't like it. Pitch better. Play better. Do yeah. everything better if you want to win a damn game. <laughs> and they did a lot last night to try winning the ball game, but they didn't bother playing all the way around the ball. And that's yeah. why the Blue Jays turned around and beat them because the bullpen ended up coming in, even though after Hyunjin Rio did, I can't say a salvageable job. Because in all reality, guys, yeah. after that first inning, I didn't expect him to go five. Right. I really didn't. No, I didn't Yeah, he either. gave up five, in, five earned runs through five innings, but it could have been a lot worse with how that started off. And for, if it was one of our young pitchers, I don't think we would have had just as good of a outing after that. You're talking about knocking and de- discouraging a young pitcher that early and then having to go through an extra couple pitchers. That would have been a really, really tough night for our bullpen, and having a veteran presence like Hyunjin Ryu was the solve, I think, to give us that opening to allow that to happen because everybody that came out of that bullpen afterwards, guys, gangbusters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And, Craig, I want to keep it on you for the next batter in the city. This was the eighth uh, batter of the inning. Um, I don't know what your first thought was, Craig, when Jonathan VR came to the plate, but I know what was going through my head was you got to run on first and third in a tie game with one out. Jonathan VR has not been overly impressive. I'm sure we'll cover this in a little bit when we get to it. But first thought that I was thinking was, have your first Blue Jays moment, Jonathan VR. Come through with a key hit, hit a three-run homer. He was pretty pissed off. He missed the fastball uh, on one of those pitches. But, Craig, what was the first thought when you saw Jonathan VR come up? And what was your first thought after he walked, uh, on again, on a full count? Do something. <laughs> That's really all I can sum it up as. I just couldn't believe that if he was going to come up and if that was going to be the the rally kill. That's kind of how I unfortunately felt because he hasn't had that point where I even wonder if he's actually fully committed. And that is really where my whole mentality has been. Hence the reason I put that poll up. Do I even trust Jonathan Villar to be in this freaking uh, lineup right now? It was questionable. I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt that he has had a few good years in the last, you know, three years that he's been really good that I'm hoping that something finally manifests. We finally saw, yes, it wasn't a hit, but he actually put a good blue Jays at bat together. And it was encouraging. And honestly, you were mentioning the fact that he was pissed after missing that one fastball. I'm glad he was pissed that he finally missed, you know, that that shows me he actually does give a shit about being here because until that, I really did not know if he wanted to be in Toronto or not, or if he wanted to be in a playoff race, which seems really odd coming from a team that was definitely not going to make the playoffs until they started playing baseball this year in the Miami Marlins and knowing he was on the Baltimore Orioles before that. Maybe he's scared of being in the playoffs. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) But last I checked, that was the whole idea is the win at baseball. And it didn't look like them. He was trying to do, he was trying to do too much or he didn't care. And now I know different, maybe. Yeah. Adam. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I, it's been no secret uh, ever since the Marlins game that I had my concerns when it came to him and how much effort he was putting in. Yeah. I put, he was my pick to click last week too. Um, so I'll take the walk, but, um, it seems that defensively, at least it's cleaning up a little bit. I I don't know if it was just a lack of chemistry, not knowing the guys, um, but still a throw 
is a throw. It doesn't matter who you're throwing to. Like the glove is the glove. You're a professional baseball player. But yeah, exactly. Um, you know, when it comes to that at bat, I was impressed that he, you know, worked up a full count and ended up taking the walk. Um, this is when I think Guriel stole second as well. So um, he was the guy on third when Jansen hit that grand slam. And what I was paying attention to is when Jansen went back into the dugout and celebrated, VR was right in front and he was embracing his teammates. And it seemed like, okay, now you're in, right? Now we're a team. Now we can celebrate together. Now we can share these moments together. And now you know what this team is all about. It's resiliency. And once you're in that sort of moment, when you're in those situations, it seems that if there was a lack of effort or anything, um, maybe that just fizzles away and he's under, maybe realizing, and again, this is all speculation. I don't want to you know, make it seem that we are you know, accusing him of hot-dogging it, but you know, when you have these moments, it does sort of bring out to you, okay, this is a special squad and I'm part of it. They traded for me. They wanted me on this yeah. team. You know, and that speaks to something. So maybe at this point, these things will clean up. He'll become tighter with the squad, entering into a postseason race. How much tighter can you get with the squad when you're trying to chase yeah. a championship, right? Um, I, I was impressed with the at-bat, and I'm hoping this starts something with him to make him clean up his mental errors just a little bit. Might be yips, might be nervous with the new squad. I don't know. Hopefully this is the end of it, though. It's starting to look like it was more of a pressing, trying to impress. Yeah, now, try hard. Or than yeah. a, uh, you know, just... I don't give a shit. Yeah, right. Yeah. Now, yeah, Jonathan VR, uh, that I'd say to this point, that's been his moment with the Blue Jays, getting on base and loading the bases yet again for Travis Shaw. And there's three more at-bats that we're going to cover on this recap of the sixth inning. And we could probably make a whole episode out of the sixth inning, to be <laughs> completely honest with you. Uh, but, uh, Adam, I'll go back to you. Sure. Travis Shaw comes back up, uh, one out, bases loaded, Adam Adovino still on the mound, and he had nothing. Like, Adam Adovino was not pitching well yesterday, and he was one of the guys who sounded off a little bit about uh, Buffalo and playing there and the stadium and the lighting and all that jazz. But Travis Shaw, I don't know how to really describe his season because he's had a few moments. He's had a walk-off. Uh, I believe it was against the Marlins, or maybe it was a homestand after that. So Shaw's had a few good moments, chipped in with a few home runs. I wouldn't say he's been good, but he hasn't hurt them either. Uh, and Travis Shaw came up clutch yesterday with a single to uh, give the Blue Jays an 8-6 lead. Again, a ball that just snuck by the second baseman. I can't, oh, Tyro Estrada played mm. second base yesterday. Just snuck by Estrada to give them an 8-6 to six lead. And I guess my question for you, Adam, was, again, like I struggle to sum up how Travis Shaw's tenure as a Blue Jay has been because there's been some highs, some lows, a lot of in-between. Uh, what has been your impression of Travis Shaw and that at-bat from him last night? I was impressed with the at-bat. It was a one-two count. So with two strikes uh, and one ball, you're trying to protect the plate, just sort of like what uh, Tellez was doing earlier in the AB. Um, again, you're not trying to kill it. You're just trying to put the ball in play, and it was it, it was a otherwise playable ball right up the middle, and it squeaked in. At this point, we were tied. It was a 6-6 tie, and he drove in two runs on that on a dribbler. Um, so I, I appreciate it. I, to me, that's a veteran approach. That's what we signed him for. Um, but as far as the overall performance, it's really, honestly, guys, it's not that much of a drop off from Justin Smoke in, in years yeah. past. It's really not. And 
you know, when people, uh, it seemed like the Brewers and the Blue Jays would have been just better off making the trade if they weren't free agents because they're pretty much the same player. Um, yeah. And Smoke doesn't even have a job right now. So it, it's it's like, unless he got picked up. Did he get picked up? No. Free no, agent. so he's just still a free agent. So um, to me, it, that's just, you, you want to have that guy that's meant for a veteran presence in the locker room. That's what he's there for in terms of leading a squad that can play third base. Craig, you touched on it earlier uh, to move Vladdy over, maybe supplement at first base. If one of Vladdy or Rowdy needs a night off or what have you, he can play multiple positions. Whereas uh, smoke was just limited to first. It was either first or DH. He couldn't do anything else. Um, so that's an added benefit. But when it comes to his performance, it's fine. I don't really, I'm not in, expecting a lot from him. I wasn't expecting, you know, 30 home runs or anything. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll take it. If he's going to bat towards, what is he, like six, fifth or sixth in the lineup, fine. Yeah. I'll take it. It's no big deal. Okay. Nice thing about him is he's still a power threat no matter what you do. And mm. it's always going to be slice like that. The four home runs, not seeing a ton of it, guys. But this is a guy that in a regular season can hit 20 with, you know, usually not batting a, you know, dropping a hat. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Um, last year, it seemed to be the outlier in his career versus the, you know, what we had seen from him. He has been a solid hitter and he has always played good defense. So one way or the other, if he's replacement level and we're getting what he's, you know, the pre- veteran presence out of him right now, great. It's not a big deal. So watching him come into that bat yesterday and just keeping the ball rolling, exactly what you needed in that standpoint. You didn't need to go nuts. You just needed to keep I'll, – I'll steal the Bills logo here. <laughs> you need to keep the wagon <laughs> moving. Yes. So nobody's circling the bases. Circling like the wagon. Days. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's a good one. Hey, that's another T-shirt idea for two thick shirts or whatever that company is. I'm surprised we haven't seen more of those kind of Bills culture things going on. There's, you know, the Jays Mafia ones going on and whatnot, but there has not been anything about the circling the bases. Yeah. I'm kind of shocked. It's just, it's, it's right there. Maybe we yeah. need to hurry and figure out how to get a t-shirt brand going for the show. Yeah. And get we can put our new beer logo on it. There you go. <laughs> I mean, hey, that's not a crazy idea. I think we can come up with enough crazy t-shirt ideas to make a decent amount of money. New logo until the end of the season. Hurry up and get those in. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Shaw came through the clutch like everybody did. Everybody had good at bats yesterday. I think that's the first time you could say that about a Blue Jays team and I don't know how long. And, you know, it even extends to Joe Panic. Joe Panic came into the game as a pinch hitter for Santiago Espinal. This would have been Espinal's second at bat in the inning, and he was the one who got it all started. And, Craig, I know that at times this year, maybe before his last 34 plate appearances, I'm calling that out for a reason, uh, Joe Panic has been underwhelming. Uh, and there was some speculation that maybe he was in danger of losing his job after the trade deadline. But his last 34 plate appearances, Joe Panic is hitting 393 with a 500 OBP uh, over his last 34 plate appearances. And what did he do? He dropped a walk and gets on base to load the bases yet again in the penultimate at-bat. Yeah. Craig, Joe Panic. I know we came in. I don't know what your first thoughts was when he came into the game. I'm just like, yeah, I think I was surprised when I saw how good he's been over the last little while. And if he can keep that up, he's a pretty valuable bench guy to have going forward for the rest of September, isn't he, Craig? I agree with that 100%. And this is my new, he's done a U-turn on me completely. I really was starting to wonder what Joe Panic was doing on this roster. And I really couldn't see him outplaying somebody like Santiago Espinal that really needs to get some more at-bats. And regardless of what's going on, Espinal is insanely good with his glove. So what you would normally use your bench for is coming in for a late, you know, 
glove work. Mm. <laughs> Cover up for something that you don't need. And the fact that he plays multiple positions seemed like that was the win to me going forward. Now, this is a really complex argument between Bilar, which I would assume isn't going anywhere because we had to trade for him, but he has, as we even mentioned, kind of underwhelming. Espinal and Joe Panic. Right now, I don't think you can go anywhere with Joe Panic because he's been not only been hitting like you've been mentioning it, but even when he's been hitting balls for outs, he's hitting them hard line drives at people, mostly the right fielder, so hopefully nobody figures that out. <laughs> but... Um, just the fact that he's been solid hitting the ball hard every time he comes to the plate or he being the veteran that he is, he has been taking patient solid at bats as well. That was why he ended up pinch hitting for Santiago Espinal last night, flat out. We, at that time, there was still only one out runners on first and third. How do you not bring in a veteran in that situation as much as yeah. I would have loved to give him the opportunity to Santiago Espinal, you have a chance to run away with this game against one, the quote unquote before the season, best team in baseball. Yeah. Take it. <laughs> Strike while the iron's hot, <laughs> you know, and they, that was exactly what happened. He ended up walking. It keeps the ball moving. There's still only one out for where I know you're going with this, but I don't know what happened. <laughs> Adam, any Joe panic thoughts on, on your end? Yeah, I'm impressed, right? And and I have to walk back a lot because we've been critical of Panic for good reasons, right? And I don't, I don't think a lot of them or those reasons rather were unfounded. I think the majority of the Blue Jays fan base was very um, upset or frustrated with Joe Panic. Um, but give him give him credit where it's due. You know, he he's been he's been producing at the plate. Um, right now, if he's the one that's going to play second base. You know, while Cavan is manning the outfield, while Teoscar is on the IL, um, it makes sense to me. I'd, I I don't necessarily mind it. Um, I, Craig, you're right. We did trade for VR, so I think there's going to be some sprinkling here and there. Um, but you know, when I look at this um, pinch hit opportunity, I you know reflect on previous things that Montoyo has done, and I think we'll end up talking about this, especially the Boston game, when <laughs> he said, "Oh, I just I put um, Derek Fisher in because I felt like he was due for a home run." Like, what are you doing? <laughs> what what yeah. are we? Ma- you're managing on Both a feeling. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, you know, and this is was obviously a little bit more strategic, and I'd like to think that the Derek Fisher thing was a little bit more strategic than he actually illustrated. But with this one, it, it made sense because if Espinal is going to the plate, you're hoping for a walk, right? You're looking you, – if he puts the ball in play, chances are it's going to be a dribbler. He reminds me a lot of Ryan Goins, but I feel like Espinal's ceiling is a lot higher than Goins was. Um, but, you know, when it comes to the veteran, you're looking for him to, to have a rough A-B for the pitcher. You're looking for a veteran plate approach. You're looking for frustration at that regard. So I think it was the right call, and – Got to give credit where it's due. It was. It ended up being the right call, which led to, obviously, what we're going to talk about next. Can I interject really quick before I know you go there? Yeah. 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 I did, we did put the poll out on Twitter about who should take over that bench spot, basically, when Bo comes back and, you know, you're going to end up probably having Biggio play right mm. field. What else is going on with Teoscar, unfortunately? I think that's unfortunately yeah. where he's going to end up be because it makes sense. Yeah. Gretchen play center. Okay, great. We still have a solid lineup, especially when the alternative is having Derek Fisher in your lineup every day. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> although, Jonathan Davis. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
I think awesome. the, the, the fact that he hasn't been on this team at all this year is insulting. I think the kid's too talented. Hit a home run. He can just crush defense like nobody's other. So anyway, the poll. <laughs> <laughs> Who won? The Blue Jays fans think that Santiago Espinal is the winner of that spot, followed by Joe Panic. Apparently, nobody else likes Jonathan Millar, I'm sorry to say. <laughs> Millar only got 22% of the votes. Espinal getting 45.5%. Mm. Oh, wow. So, you know, Panic being slightly wedged in between the two of those. So that's where the Blue Jays fans seem to think, which sounds oddly a little bit like we've been talking about during this conversation. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's true. It's, it's very similar to how we've been talking about each of them as we go through their plate appearances. But, uh, Adam, I'm going back to you. Uh, this is the last at-bat that we'll cover because this blew the game wide open. And I'll be honest, I thought that we were going to get another pinch hit opportunity and see right. Derek Fisher. I legitimately thought we were going to see Derek Fisher come up for Danny Jansen. And you know what? I don't think that's too crazy to think because Danny Jansen has not done much offensively at all. Blue Jays catchers, aside from one game of Caleb Joseph, have not done anything this year offensively. Reese McGuire has been terrible. Danny Jansen is terrible. So the fact that it was Danny Jansen, uh, uh, Adam, that hit a grand slam, you could just sense just like a huge weight lifted off of his shoulders after he hit that. The big fist pump when he runs around the bases, just the smiling in the dugout after. That feels like it was the right guy to hit that grand slam at that point. Um, In my notes, the very first sentence of this was, if there's anyone on this team not named Vladdy that needed it, it's Jansen. And it was, it's one of those moments that sort of rivals, uh, it it will be classified as what define the microcosm of this team. The never say die, the always uh, be resilient and just never give up. There's no quit in this team. And it doesn't matter if you're batting a buck and change or three and change, you can be a game changer. And Jansen has had these opportunities and, uh, you know, throughout the season, he hasn't necessarily taken advantage of them. I'm not saying a grand slam opportunity, but in terms of being an impact at bat, uh, he thrived yesterday. And it, it was just one at bat. I'll take it. I'll take that all day because I think in the previous at bat, he flew out. Well, am I correct? Yep. It was, yeah. Um, so it, it's, I'm happy for him. It's sort of something that is much needed to energize out just the team, but him as an individual. And the Blue Jays have shown faith in him. They uh, DFA'd, or rather put on the, the squad, uh, Reese McGuire, who's also been terrible. Um, so there's there's a lot invested in Jansen. There's a lot on the line for him, and they see him as a future. for the, They see him having a future for this team, so seeing him thrive in that moment absolutely incredible and it really reminds me of that shirt um i don't know if you guys are familiar with baseballism they have the the was it six plus four plus three yeah. equals double play yeah, or yeah. something they have a t-shirt that says uh, live like live life like a three in one count and that is it. he he did not have to swing at that it was a three one count he could have set back but you can tell he was relaxed he was in the moments that veteran presence at the plate it's been a constant theme throughout what i've been talking about with these at bats laid back let the pitch come to you had a fastball boom three one count you can't get any better than that and i swear craig if you have not heard the blue jays broadcast of that showman did a great job yeah showman did a great job yes you have to give them credit with no fans 
they're still like, acting as if they're fans oh, in the oh. crowd. Yeah, they're, oh, yeah. They're, they're emoting right there. Um, it's one of those moments that I feel will be the defining moment, depending on what happens in the playoffs, definitely the regular season, that you're going to reflect back on and say, hey, remember that Grand Slam by Dan and Jansen in 2020? That was special. And, and it was, yeah. for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Craig, any final thoughts on that whole inning? Before we move expand on. on what Mr. Corsair smartly said about the whole, you know, comparing it and how it's being a microcosm to the whole season. Better than we thought. We are better than everybody thinks we are. That sums it up right yeah. there, especially with how yeah. the Yankees announcers are talking about Jane Jansen earlier in the game. That, oh, but, oh it's just Danny Jansen. This will be an easy out. And the funny thing is, he made the only out during that inning for nine batters. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he led the inning off with a fly out to right field, right? I know he was out to right field. I don't know if there was anybody on at that time or not. But either way, guys, we sent a ton of bats to the line, uh, the plate that inning and watching it get capped off with Danny Jansen. And then finally, they record the second out on Kevin Biggio following him. I was literally typing as quick as I fucking could. I knew if I didn't get it out quick enough, it was going to be the worst luck on the planet that the Blue Jays have now batted around the lineup without getting an out. (laughs) (laughs) So microcosm perfect. I think there's no other way of saying it better than what Adam mentioned and whatnot. So it was great to see Danny Jansen finally get something that will be his big confidence booster. And all the, in all reality guys, he could ride this to be Pat Borders. For night yeah, two. yeah, that is that a level of confidence that he just got from that hit? Yeah, I think you guys both summed that inning up perfectly going through those at bats. And hey, that will probably be the majority of the show tonight. I know we got a few other things to touch on before we end it, but deservedly so. I would say, and this could wrap it up entirely, it would get you guys final thoughts from that inning, but I would say for me, other than the seventh inning uh, against Texas when Elvis Andrews contributed to those three errors. That was probably the single best inning I've seen this Blue Jays team play uh, since I've been a fan. Uh, and I started watching majority in 2005. Uh, I Everybody contributed. You cannot say that there wasn't anybody who did not contribute in that inning. And it was incredible. Uh, was there any final things you guys wanted to touch on with that inning before we move along to uh, our next series of topics? It was close. It's a close second. Very close second to the 2015 seventh inning. Very close. Yeah. The only other game I can think that is even in a general relative ballpark. Do you guys remember that game a couple of years ago when we were playing the Rays and we came back at one in the last inning? We scored yes. a run. Yeah. Yes. Justin yeah. Hill finishes it with a two-run walk-off home run. Yes. That's about the only other one where I can say we played that played an inning that consistently good. Because yeah. yeah. no offense to the 2015 thing, but that was only a, that was what six batters, seven batters that we just blew it off the doors, yeah, something, yeah. Like that. something like that. Yeah. So watching them bat around the lineup, I I, I can't remember an inning where we've, I, we scored that many runs in one inning in ever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> in the 80s. So <laughs> it was just, it was a pleasure to watch, especially after all the fun watching it on the Yankee channel, just watching them kind of shove it right down on them. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> can't hate. Yeah, it's crazy. It was uh, absolutely insane. And, you know, we talked about one of the new players on the Blue Jays contributing that inning, Jonathan VR. I want rapid fire, guys, because I want to get a few, uh, in a few topics before we run too long. We've seen now this is the third start for Taiwan Walker as a Toronto Blue Jay. He hasn't been the greatest tonight. A lot of pitchers, a lot of walks, so his pitch count's elevated. 
We've seen and harped on Jonathan VR quite a bit already. And we've seen two appearances from Robbie Ray, one good, one not so good. It's kind of what Robbie Ray is. Uh, and we've seen one Ross Stripling, which was very meh, I'd say, in the second mm-hmm. game against the Red Sox. Uh, of those four guys, why don't you give me a quick rapid fire, some of your reactions on what you've seen from all four of those new additions so far. Who do you want to go first? You're Craig. talking. Craig. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead, Craig. All right, I'm going to go with Ross Stripling, and I'll talk about him because I think his outing was it was a little odd. I saw glimpses of why he is going to be something special maybe with his team and why the Blue Jays were so interested in him. But the flip side of that was he had some performance issues at the same time. So if he can get with Pete Walker and figure out those couple things, obviously as he gets more, comfort, more comfortable with Danny Jansen or Caleb Joseph, I think that's going to help out well as uh, with him as, in the future here too. But the catch, I think, and I think this is honestly a big reason why they decide to go with Caleb Joseph down the stretch here. I think his veteran presence will help some of these young or the, the new additions. Um, seems like Taiwan Walker's clicking pretty good with Danny Jansen so far, but maybe Ross Stripling needs a little bit more of a Caleb Joseph to really be that crazy of a good guy. Or maybe that's the reason why Robbie Ray had a, you know, ifs and buts on both of his outings. We'll see. But I think Ross Stripling has a really good chance to really jump into this rotation and really anchor in. Adam? Yeah, I, it's you're right. It, it's described as meh, right? It's it's a very meh kind of uh, outing so far, minus Walker. Um, I've been very impressed with what I've seen, even though tonight I guess he's just going four innings, which is a shame. Um, but otherwise, you know, it's whatever. I, it, it Nothing has really stuck out to me as anything that's going to move the needle necessarily and i don't that, that's not saying anything bad about you know the contributions it's just i don't know it, to me this is just it seems that it's they're just filling holes in the rotation and hoping that players that are actually going to have a long-term impact can come back for the postseason like a matt shoemaker or a nate pearson um and then you can sort of do a, a, a roster configuration which i know we're going to talk about later too um so it, it's been it's been acceptable. I haven't been blown away, but at the same time, I'm not dissatisfied, right? And um, I, it, it's been fine. I think who was it? Robbie Ray that was pitching on Sunday, was it yep. for the? Yeah, and he was the one that was just grunting every single pitch. <laughs> and I like it. He has a lot of velo. It's there. It's just there's a lot of control issues. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of that. But again, if he's just going to end up being the fifth starter whatever sure like <laughs> throw gas man and get aired out yeah you know and he went I, I i think just four innings in that game it it it's not like david price didn't grunt a bunch too but he's giving it his all it's like his whole <laughs> entire body is, is into these pitches which is cool to see but it's just i mean the velo is there but the control is not as i already mentioned so I, I, overall, again, I, we talked about this before. Walker was the acquisition that I was most excited about. And I think I speak for everyone in this panel, too, that was very excited for the pitching aspect. He hasn't disappointed, and the other guys were just sort of replacements for me. And, and VR is just a little bit more than that. But, again, we've, we've talked about him to death. So, very, very satisfactory, I'll say. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a good way to sum him up. Craig, uh, Adam said who his favorite acquisition was. What about yours? I don't know how that can even argue with Taiwan Walker. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And the rotation needed somebody really to come in and right the ship. Not that it was completely sinking. Sorry, pun 
Get out of here, But there was definitely a need for somebody to really come and chew up innings and uh, really pair up really nicely with Hyunjin Ryu. And I think this takes a weight off of his shoulders and the fact that Walker doesn't have to be the man like I had mentioned previously. And it it makes a nice dynamic with them. And you now you have your one-two punch, as you guys both mentioned last week, for the coming what looks to be playoff appearance. But I'm going to keep knocking on desk because we could be the Yankees. <laughs> I don't want to be. <laughs> so right now we are looking like the Yankees, and I'm going to keep riding that ship. <laughs> yeah. No, that, that's all very accurate. I think you guys summed up the new acquisitions perfectly. Everybody knows our thoughts on VR. Uh, we've talked about Robbie Ray a little bit, Ross Stripling. We'll get. Uh, let's let's stick with that one for now. Um, Tanner O'Rourke is pitching tomorrow uh, in Game Three, and I did promise in the agenda live update for people who are not watching, watching whatever it is, whenever you're listening. It's the top of the fifth. Shun Yamaguchi has replaced Taiwan Walker, uh, and Luke Voigt has got a big hit. Uh, but they're up two nothing on a Jonathan Davis. Two run home run. If the Blue Jays do end up winning this game, they will win the series and with a chance to sweep it tomorrow. So I put in the agenda, and this can be a quick topic of discussion. It can be something that we go on for a little bit longer. But Tanner Roark is going tomorrow, and I think it's pretty clear what we think about Tanner Roark. We've harped on him quite a bit, uh, deservedly so. He hasn't been very good. Uh, I trust Chase Anderson more, and I think, based on what I saw from Ross Stripling a little bit, I feel like I even trust Ross Stripling a little bit more. But they both pitched on Friday, gentlemen, and that would be six starters in the rotation. So between Tanner Roark, Chase Anderson, Ross Stripling, and Robbie Ray, who ends up being the last two starters in this rotation? Craig, I'll start with you. Right now, Chase Anderson, and I think I'm going to go with Stripling because there's something about Robbie Ray coming out of that bullpen just throwing gas. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that would be my two picks. And that is, I think we can get from the little bits I liked about watching Stripling's performance. I think there's some more there. And I think he is easily fixable as a starter where I think Robbie Ray actually would benefit from the ups and downs that he's had from a bullpen. Maybe just doing two innings. Like some of the guys have been doing, he pairs pretty good with those guys that have been throwing nothing but gas out of our bullpen. And he would be some nice relief for the relievers right now <laughs> to, what we've been dealing with over the last week. And there's been a lot of innings had to be chewed up by that bullpen over the last week. And they have done an A plus job. Adam. All right. Guriel just almost made an amazing catch, but he dropped it. Um, yeah, I have to oh. agree. Yeah. He just, just dropped it. Oh. At hitting the ground. <laughs> that was a nice um, try to try for it. Though. That was <laughs> yeah. I have to agree with Craig. Um, I, I don't see Roark in, in any sort of – I don't want to see him in the postseason at all. And yeah. anything that anything that I've learned from the 2015 you know, postseason, it's you can never have enough bullpen, right? And if Ray's going to go to the bullpen and throw with that velo, even if it's just in limited you know, capacity, couple that with an Anthony Kay, couple that with a Ryan Barucki, couple that with Yamaguchi, who hasn't been that bad really since the beginning of the year. It looks like he's rather, figured it out. Yeah, and you couple that with the Merriweather even. You have a solid bullpen, and if Giles ends up coming back, not bad. It's really not that bad. Cole hasn't been terrible. Um, it, you could do a lot worse. So anything to bolster the bullpen, I, I'll take. Really, I will. So uh, I think Roark is the sort of odd man out, and um, it's going to be interesting because I, I, anything you can do to sort of bolster that rotation and make it that much more robust, it's going to benefit this team tenfold into the playoffs 
Absolutely. And, you know, there are reinforcements on the way, uh, which, in a way, I know this has been tossed around before, mainly by Alex Mazopoulos. But that's like an acquisition, uh, kind of a yeah. trade deadline, getting guys back injured. And it's imminent that we are going to get Ken Giles and Bobachet back. The latest was Bobachet had five at-bats yesterday, I believe, in a simulated game, took three balls right in the middle for base hits. Uh, and Ken Giles, I also believe, has pitched in a simulated game or will be getting into one. So the Blue Jays have one more game against the Yankees tomorrow. They have the day off on Thursday, and then they welcome the New York Mets. Uh, down, the Mets are falling out of the playoff picture. It does look like we're going to be facing Jacob DeGrom on Saturday, which, by the way, would match up with Hunjin Ryu if they don't skip a start. So that is a point I watch in television, uh, by the way. Uh, but uh, with the looming return of Ken Giles and Bo Bichette, we kind of loosely touched on the infield and who may get a bump and not a bump when Bo comes back. But, uh, Adam, why don't you give me the guys who will lose a job out of the bullpen when Ken Giles comes back and who ends up losing a job when Bo Bichette comes back? Huh, losing a job in the in the infield is that's tough because I mean I know it's gonna happen. Uh you so shortstop is definitely Bo's spot right now. So we were just talking up Espinal and Panic. And you can't get you can't <laughs> get rid of <laughs> Yeah, you can't you can't go against VR too because they just traded for him. Can I make a point? Yeah, go ahead. Vigio's an outfielder now. Yeah. Need Derek Fisher, <laughs> no, but I don't <laughs> because he's out of options and there's no they they love him. I don't understand it. If it, was up, <laughs> yeah, if it was up to me, he'd be gone. He would have been gone earlier than than even this conversation. Um, he is the <laughs> candidate for sure. Um, I just don't know that they'll pull the trigger because I, they see something in him and they don't like the aspect of losing control. Um, but then again, they did it with Anthony Alford, and he had a home run for Pittsburgh, right? So, yeah, um, unfortunately, he is now hurt again. Oh, he's hurt. What he, 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 he broke something. Oh no! It's really not good. He's out. Oh, I didn't know that. That's 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 sad to hear. He's a good guy. Yeah. So um, unrightfully deserving of having you know a good shot yeah. of being a baseball player, and he had that in his hands, and unfortunately, the bad luck of baseball keeps finding Anthony Alford. Yeah. 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 If I'm going to, if I'm going to be selfish about it, it would be Derek Fisher. I think he is the guy that will obviously be the candidate to go down. Um, if I'm going to pick someone in the bullpen, I, I feel like the obvious candidate here is Sean Reed Foley. I, j- I just, I'm not seeing it. I'm really not. Yeah. And the, the velos there. A, he had like spurts where I, I thought maybe he can rebound, but the control is just out of control, if that makes any sense. Um, so I feel like he is, he hasn't been consistent at all. He's been consistently bad. I'm going to choose someone out of the pen. It's going to be fully. Okay. Craig, how about you? I just can't stand watching Wilmer Font pitch anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I really, yes, he's been on a slight uptick lately, but it's not enough for me to be confident in him any more than than Sean Reed Foley at this point. The the thing that he always is injured though. He is injured. <laughs> it's his You're finger. Right? A shin contusion was what I think oh, it was. Shin. Something like that. But either way, it seemed a little too appropriately timed. Um, but <laughs> I really would be shocked if, at least for the time being, it wouldn't be Sean Reed Foley because they've already used the option on him this year. Why not send him down at least until you figure out if you're going to keep 
font going forward or not. The thing that still gets me about Sean Reed Foley, even in a bullpen capacity, guys, maybe I've watched Major League too many times, but tell me he's not Ricky Vaughn right now. Yeah. <laughs> so one way or the other, that velocity will scare the crap out of it. Yes. Uh, or the worst case, he's Newt Lelouch from a uh, freaking Bull Durham, and he, you know, J- Dan Jansen is going to be putting the mask on. He goes, I don't know where it's going to go. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So I just don't. I, I like the velocity and how it could carry, and I'm hoping for good things from Sean Reed Foley. And we have seen that in that bullpen capacity, it hasn't been a problem against teams other than the Yankees so far. Right. So far, it's been pretty lights out. Um, on the offense side, I really would be shocked if it doesn't come down to Derek Fisher and Jonathan Davis for mm. better shot. Yeah. As much as I am all, already loving the fact that Jonathan Davis is back with the Blue Jays for what he can bring to the table, I just can't believe they're not going to send him down. Right. I am a firm believer that he will be sent down because they're going to want to hold on to Derek Fisher. My biggest problem with that is if you're going to talk about somebody that knows sail and feel like the goddamn back of their hand, that is Jonathan Davis all day. Yeah. And that is something to say for how many games he's he, out of any, any of the blue Jays. He has easily played the most minor league games in Buffalo out of all these guys that are on the roster. Yeah. Right now. He knows that outfield like nobody. And he made one of the best catches in minor league baseball last year, saving TJ Zoik's no hitter in that field. Very good <laughs> so, point. Very, very. I, maybe I'm just, Thinking that, you know, he's a hometown hero already. We might as well make it official and let him stay. <laughs> yeah, I'm for it. <laughs> Keep him up for the Buffalo Blue Jays. Well, gentlemen, um, this has been a very good episode. we got a few more things left that I want to touch on uh, before we move forward. And I will say to Blue Jays fans uh, who are listening, thank you for jo- joining us. But the one thing I will say is, Jocker Hernandez, we know he's on the injured list. He's going for a second MRI tomorrow to get the swelling down. We will touch on Tiosca Hernandez. We'll save that for when we have an official diagnosis. Adam, will save that for your episode next week. Uh, so I just wanted to get that out there in case anybody's listening. It's like, how do you not at least mention Tiosca? So we'll save it for next week. Uh, right now, between, <laughs> between now and when we record next, uh, we have one more Yankee game, uh, and we have three with the Mets. And depending on when we record, uh, we could be into the Yankee series. The only time the Blue Jays will go to Yankee Stadium uh, next week. So, Craig, I'll start with you. Uh, a, do the Blue Jays win the series tomorrow uh, against the Yankees? Do they sweep it tomorrow if you want to predict the rest of this game? And we'll save the Yankees uh, uh, the Yankee Stadium series for a little while, but what do you think they got to do against the New York Mets, especially knowing that Jacob DeGrom is going to be pitching? I say kick the teeth in. We win tonight and we take the whole damn thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It'd be really nice to put that on the to put the Yankees on the heels for the rest of their uh, series here. It's nice that we do get to face them at the end of the season in Buffalo, too. That is a nice yeah. little uh, home field advantage that last week, guys, we get a whole week of baseball in Buffalo for the Blue Jays to finish the season against the Yankees and the Orioles. Right now, I would love to see them just put them on notice. Right now, they're already hurting. Put They're on the ropes. Just push them in. Keep them in the corner and keep pummeling them. So right now, they're, uh, you know, Got a run, two runners on with two outs, and Jan Yamaguchi's on the mound, and they're now only tr- ahead by one. Mm-hmm. But I still think there is enough in this that they're going to keep working on the bullpen here that they'll be able to pull this one out. Who's pitching tomorrow? I forgot. Robar. Yeah. Oh, 
I'm hoping that they can figure that work might finally give us his first, you know, real good Blue Jays start. But I'm hoping that, you know, the rest of the company in the bullpen is ready to go after him. It probably in Robbie Ray, I would imagine, because it's been since the Red Sox series that he pitched. Right. Yeah. So it wouldn't shock me that he's ready to go in after the fact. But I'm OK with that. I really think that they're going to figure out what Robbie Ray needs to do to do Robbie Ray things from a couple of years ago, rather than what we've seen so far this year. But then again, I mentioned. His whip has never changed. It's the same almost every damn year. He's just walking yeah. people yeah. and striking out more people now. <laughs> so <laughs> if he can keep uh, to doing his normal, I think that the Blue Jays take could take the sweep tomorrow. And then hopefully outside of DeGrom, we can beat up on the Mets a little bit here and then come right back into Yankee Stadium to – it'd be nice if we had the split between our first set with them at home and then they – you know, if we get beat up in Yankee Stadium, we're still safe. Right. Adam, what do you think about the next two series? I think they're going to win this one. I think they're going to win uh, the series against the Yankees. Whether or not they win tonight, I'm not going to call it because I know I'm just going to jinx it. Um, <laughs> so um, I do think that they're going to win this series, which is a statement win for the series. You know, since I want to say the Tampa Bay series when uh, we wanted them to take, I forget what it was, two out of four or whatnot. It was a four-game series. It was a doubleheader involved. We kept calling series, and we kept getting what we wanted. Right, I would call it three out of five against the Red Sox. We got three out of five. I would like to take two out of three against the Yankees. Hopefully, we can. Um, For the Mets, I still think we should sweep that. I know you talked about Degrom and whatnot, but I still think we should sweep that series. I really do. With how we've been playing as a team and as a unit, let's let's go for the whole fucking sweep. Um, And then the Yankees (laughs) after that. Again, if you can take two out of three from that, I think at that point you've won four. Right, we wanted them to go 500 against the Yankees. Yeah. All they need to do is win one more. Right, yeah. Yeah. all they need to do is win for that second to the last series. All you need to do is win one. I, if this goes according to plan, it happens. We're in good shape. We're in very yeah. good shape able to to. Uh, I don't want to say take advantage of the Phillies, but we should be able to fare well against the the Phillies. Yeah, it's it's four <laughs> games. Last stand for three. If we can maintain this momentum into the month of September again. It's a, it's, it's a momentum-building sport, and September is usually not a good month for the Blue Jays, but it's turning out to be one right now um, with Yamaguchi just getting a strikeout right there. So, um, in fifth, as the fifth seed, which would be amazing. So, fingers crossed, guys. I think we could take this seed, sweep the Mets. We'll, we'll reevaluate next week, though. Trying to get it. Craig? Trying to I want you Ryu's numbers against the Mets, and he's held them to a 206 batting average in his career. So I'm hoping that go, bodes pretty damn well against Jake Degrom. Hmm. <laughs> Craig, but, take us home, buddy. Pick the click. Who did we have last week? And we will go around the circle and uh, give our picks to click for this week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, so I had Randall Grichik. Yeah. <laughs> Jonathan VR, Adam. And then you had Danny Jansen. So there you I'm go. Gonna say you had the week defining moment, even though he might have had the worst week. Is that the boat? <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I, Although, I no, I can't myself. say that. John Carr had one hit. <laughs> yeah, yeah sure. And he had a very key walk. <laughs> yeah, very, very sweet walk. <laughs> so, I don't know. What do you guys think? Are we going to chalk that out, though? Y'all suck. No, I'll I give think- it Grand Slam. Come on. Grand Slam. All right. <laughs> okay. I mean, hey, if you're giving it to me, I'll take it. <laughs> I'm still not on the board. Just. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Adam. Our goal should be to shut up, Craig, for the entire year. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I got a few more weeks. You might be able to do it. <laughs> well, there's always playoffs. Craig, 
<laughs> Frank, let's give you the first pick uh, of pick to click this week. You get your first choice on the field uh, to try to get on the board. Who are you going with? Uh, who haven't I picked? I'm going to go Rowdy. There you go. I'm going to ride that nice Arthur. little walking streak that he's got. Adam? Jonathan Davis. Jonathan Davis. A very, very good one. Ah, I always seem to struggle with these. And, uh, it's struggling. Yeah, you're winning all of them. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> I, tr- I guess a better way to say this, I struggle to think of who to pick. And oh. then it comes very last second. <laughs> uh, you know, um, I might take Adam's pick last week of Johnson VR and lock in Johnson VR. Yeah, he's due. He's due to play better baseball, even True. when both are back. So I am going to take it. Toyo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, anyway, what, are the the what was that? What are the updated standings for the listeners? You are winning three wins. Adam's got one. So is our guest spot. And then I am still, like, as I mentioned, blank. Okay. <laughs> uh, All right. At the moment, you are technically running away with this. Yes. <laughs> This we'll time when we record <laughs> next week. But Jello, this has been great. Uh, I, I, again, I can't say enough about uh, uh, how good that six inning was yesterday. Let's hope the Blue Jays win tonight so that you know whatever happens with Tanner Roark tomorrow happens. Uh, it's one of those games that hey, if you win, I'm not expecting it, but if you win, that's phenomenal. So take tonight, win the series, and let's go into the Mets series with some momentum and let's get them there with a let's go Blue Jays. Let's Let's go go Blue Blue Jays. Jays. Save big money now on new siding from LP Smart Side at Menards. Update and beautify your home with your choice of 13 timeless colors of pre-finished engineered siding. It's durable and includes a Sherwin-Williams factory finish paint warranty that means no painting for years to come. View our entire selection of siding from LP Smart Side today. And don't forget to check out our flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save